Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. By the time I got to that 17 hour, in my mind, I was like, I, I need something. But the athlete in me, the perfectionist in me, I was just like, I'm a failure if I ask for help. Sean Johnson East has always been able to count on her body to do exactly what it needs to do. Like hurtling through air, flipping onto a terrifying narrow four inch wide balance beam, sticking a perfect landing, and of course, winning an Olympic gold medal. 16.225, you're looking at Sean Johnson with possibly a gold medal smile. So when Sean got pregnant unexpectedly and then suffered a pregnancy loss, she was shocked. She was disappointed in her body for not doing what she thought it was supposed to do. She also thought it was her fault for years of abusing her body. My first reaction when we miscarried and him saying, it's nothing that you did, was, but it probably is. The pregnancy also brought up her past struggles with disordered eating and a difficult relationship with body image. But as you'll hear, she worked through it by reframing how she thought about her pregnant body. All those decisions about what I should eat and am I eating too much and all these different things that I used to obsess over instantly disappeared. And I was like, I'm feeding my body for my baby. It was a feeling I had never felt before. Sean gave birth to daughter Drew in 2019. And just this past summer, yes, during COVID, Sean and husband Andrew welcomed a baby boy, Jet James. Hey, bud. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to share this episode with you. Sean's story will resonate with lots of women and for lots of different reasons. It certainly resonated with me. Like Sean, I got pregnant right after getting married. I also experienced pregnancy loss and felt utterly unprepared for it. Like her, I also had a delivery that wasn't exactly what I wanted or planned for. And yes, like her, I also had a baby in the middle of COVID. So I especially love that she's not afraid to put it all out there and demystify and destigmatize topics that are, let's be real, just not talked about much. This is Me Becoming Mom, where we talk to famous women you know and love all about their extraordinary journeys to motherhood. I'm Zoe Ruderman from People. So I actually want to start with when you got married and where your heads were at when it came to building a family. Oh my goodness. Um, So when we got married, my husband was like new to the NFL. I was working like crazy, traveling around the world. I was on tour with the Olympic team. And so starting a family, it was definitely something we wanted, but it was not the time at all. We were just like, let's take a few years. Like I want to be married and then we'll talk about kids later on. But we knew it was in the cards for us, just definitely not then. And because you're an athlete, when you thought about going through those physical changes, did you have any qualms? Your relationship with your body is a little bit different than the average woman. So I'm curious kind of how you thought about that, the physical part of it. Um, I was terrified of it because I've been very open about this, but I struggled throughout my gymnastics career with a lot of eating disorders and body image issues and um, just self-confidence issues when it came to like the physical aspect. And because 
my entire career was based on how basically my body looked and how it performed. I couldn't wrap my head around gaining 50 pounds and not being able to move, you know, and be mobile and how that would affect me mentally and affect the baby. So it really, really scared me. I had been working for many years with like a psychologist and a nutritionist to get myself healthy again. And my biggest fear was that something so beautiful, just like pregnancy and a baby, would bring out something, um, I don't want to call it ugly, but all these like ugly thoughts that I had about myself. And I don't think a lot of people realize that women who have gone through disordered eating, pregnancy can be a huge trigger and something that seems as simple as going in for every appointment and being weighed. You know, even before you got to that stage, how did you work with yourself, with your therapist to think about all of those body-related things that would come up? Um, so I would say it was like, it was a very long journey. It started with the first pregnancy, which was kind of an oopsie, but it was the one that we ended up um, miscarrying. And it was very, very traumatic for me because it was like, as soon as I got pregnant, something switched to me where I felt like a mom Wow! and it didn't feel like my body. I, you know, all those decisions about what I should eat and am I eating too much and all these different things that I used to obsess over, like instantly disappeared. And I was like, I'm feeding my body for my baby. And it was just, it was it was a feeling I had never felt before. And I just felt freed from the eating disorder world. That's incredible. It was a miracle. <laughs> Thank goodness. I definitely was triggered going into the doctor's office and getting on a scale. I would like close my eyes every time just because I really didn't want to care about the number. I just wanted to know that the baby and the pregnancy was healthy. But I had the same mindset of, you know, as long as my body's growing, as long as the baby's growing, I'm fueling my body for the baby and it's no longer the the insecure vanity that I had. It's such a beautiful thing to come out of pregnancy. It's really nice. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I want to go back to that oopsie moment. So you weren't yes. trying, but it sounds like you weren't not trying. Um, so tell me about um, when you thought like, oh my God, I think I might be pregnant. We were living in LA at the time and... I remember just kind of feeling weird, you know, that for a while. And I remember I was still working with my nutritionist and I remember texting her and I was like, I think I have like a parasite or a bug or something's going on because my stomach's upset and the food isn't working and all this stuff. And she's like, okay, let's schedule a call or whatever. I love that you didn't even consider that it might be a pregnancy. You're like a parasite before a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had something wrong. Um, and so like we scheduled a call and it was by the time I got to that call, I had had a missed period and I was like, okay, this is weird. And so out of curiosity, I was like, I mean, could I be pregnant? And so I went and got a pregnancy test. And the day that I took the test, it was actually the day that my husband was flying out to the NFL to his team. And we weren't going to see each other for two weeks, like at the earliest. Yeah. And it was like, as he walked out the door, I like went back to the bathroom and looked at this pregnancy test that I didn't tell him about. So wait, you'd peed on the stick when he was still in the house. And in the yes. few minutes yeah. that it took to get the results, he left. Okay. That's some very specific timing. <laughs> yeah. Very specific. I, I didn't plan on telling him and I really, in my mind had like brushed it off. Like, oh, this is not it. I'm sure. And I remember calling my nutritionist and I was like, um, so it's not a parasite. It's actually a pregnancy. <laughs> So you told your nutritionist first? 
my nutritionist first because again, I all of these um, kind of like past obsessive moments and stuff, I, I really needed her guidance there just to make sure that I was healthy with it. And then I was telling, like I told my best friend, I was freaking out by the way. Freaking out like in a positive way? I think just, I don't know how to say that, but like in a human way, I was bawling hysterically. I was trying to figure out how to tell my husband, but I did not want to tell him over the phone, especially since it wasn't something we were planning. That That's kind of a moment you need in person. Right. And it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot to digest. And I've watched in your YouTube video when you take the pregnancy tests and one of the things you say is, oh my God, how am I going to tell him he's going to be a daddy? We're going to have a baby. <laughs> how am I going to tell Andrew? <laughs> he's going to be a daddy. What did it make you feel? Oh, he's the best. He's the best dad in the entire world. And I, I knew he was going to be back then. He has yeah. phenomenal parents and he was the best uncle and he he definitely wanted children. It's just, he's also a very type A personality sure. where he plans and he wants to be ready and he wants to be financially ready and all these things. And so seeing him kind of work through that was um, was hard, but he was also... In his mind, there was obviously no other option. He was just like, I am a dad. We are parents and we're doing this thing. I love that. So tell me what happens next after you talk to him. I got home like late in the afternoon. We had kind of that whole night um, as mom and dad um, went to bed, woke up, and it was like the early afternoon that next day I actually miscarried. And started like bleeding like crazy. And I, I felt very, very sick. And I was like, something's just not right. And again, nobody prepares you for that or teaches you about miscarriage. So I didn't know what was going on. So I remember, and again, we were in LA at the time, my OBGYN was back in Nashville. So I ended up calling their kind of like hotline. And they said, you need to go to a doctor. Um, this is most likely what's happening. It could be nothing. So we we found somewhere to go, and within a couple hours, we were at an OB's office in LA, and we were doing ultrasounds and kind of blood tests and everything, and they they had confirmed that I had miscarried, and it was just it was such an emotional roller coaster because my husband was just getting excited, and he was like, "So are they actually going to tell us where? Like, are we going to get to see the baby for the first time?" And it was just there's so much new information; it hadn't even registered to him that we might losing the baby. Was there a moment where it was confirmed, like our fear is, this is really what's happening? And how did you react? Yeah, it was it was during the ultrasound, the OB, he was amazing. And he was the most perfect person for this scenario. Yeah. I remember him saying like, that your ultrasound looks exactly like it should for someone who has miscarried. And I remember just wow. like replaying that in my mind, like, is he saying what I think he's saying? Am I reading that wrong? You know, when you overanalyze something enough. I remember doing the same thing that the exact phrase became really important. And it was like, yeah, you were reading into every word and the way they're saying it. It's so interesting. I remember we kind of got through that moment and it was like right before the ultrasound. I remember my husband was like, how are you feeling? And I said, I, and it's, it's just a woman thing and it's just a pregnancy thing. But I remember... I knew the second I was pregnant because I felt like I there's just a feeling and I didn't have that feeling anymore. And I remember him saying, how do you feel? And I was like, I 
I just, I just don't feel pregnant. It was, it was just weird. It was just like an innate feeling. And having that confirmed, I just, I had a massive pit in my stomach. I didn't know how to digest that. Did you know before this how common miscarriages are? No. It frustrates me so much now having two kids because every friend that I see who gets pregnant, in my mind, having gone through it, I'm like, did you know one in three, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage? And I mean, they need to be teaching every woman this because I I don't think it will make it any easier, honestly, but it just you need to be aware of what, of what can happen and how to handle it. I agree. And I'm curious if you had the same experience where after it happened to you and you started telling people, it was like all these women came out of the woodwork saying like, oh yeah, that happened to me or my best friend or my mom or my sister. Were you just really surprised at how common it was in your own group? Yeah. And that was kind of how all of this unraveled. Um, nothing really sunk in or hit home until we had gotten back home. And I had kind of, um, I would say hit a low. I didn't, I did not know how to deal with it. And I had never really dealt with something like this before. I had never really dealt with loss before. I had never shown vulnerability really before just based off of my career. By then we, we had started to show our life on social media. And I remember my husband had documented everything again at the time, it was not to share with anybody. It was just for us. And I remember asking him, I was like, Do, would you mind if we shared this? Because I was at such a loss. I had no idea where to even start to like heal from this. If you knew our dynamic back in the day, I shared nothing. It was like pulling teeth for my husband to post anything. I would, I would be like, absolutely not. And so he was like, are you, are you sure about this? This is a very vulnerable new thing that we were going through. And ultimately we decided to kind of like put this together and share it. And I remember sitting for hours and hours and hours, just bawling my eyes out, reading story after story after story after story of these women coming out of the woodworks and saying, I didn't know it was this common. I thought I was the only one. I didn't know how to heal from it. And it just made me feel like I wasn't alone and like I could get through it. So was it cathartic to read all of those stories and feel like you had a community? Yes. I mean, on one hand, it was the saddest thing I've ever, you know, experienced because it was really hard for me to go through. And I consider myself a tough person, which doesn't mean anything. But then to see how many other people had gone through it made me very, very sad. Um, but it was very cathartic just to know that I wasn't alone in that I had this community of women that I could lean on. And I was messaging women back and saying, how long did it take? And um, were you able to get pregnant? And am I just all these questions and fears that creep up in your, in your mind and having all of these women so bravely share and kind of hold my hand and vice versa. Right made it a lot easier to get through. I want to go back to, you mentioned the doctor when you were sitting in the room, said it's nothing you did. It's not that you ate something wrong. I know a lot of women have their sort of knee-jerk reaction or feelings of guilt or what did I do, which I imagine is why the doctor, you know, shared those sorts of things. Did you have any of those feelings of my body oh my gosh. failed me when my body is supposed to do everything I want it to do? Yes. And it took me a really long time to really accept that. Um, but up until that moment, again, I had started to share the stuff later, but I had struggled so long with eating disorders. I had taken, 
you know, excessive amounts of Adderall and I had taken weight loss pills and I had abused my body for so long that my worst fear going through all of that back then was, am I going to do permanent damage to my body? And I didn't have a period for years and I, I had I'd truly done harm. And my first reaction when we miscarried and him saying it's nothing that you did was but it probably is. And I remember, oh my gosh, if I could go back to that doctor's office, I was trying so hard to keep it together, but I was, I was breaking inside because in my mind, just as a mom, you have all of these guilts and these fears. And I was like, is my body, you know, not made to have children? Did I abuse it so much that it can't carry a child? Is this God's way of telling me I can't, I'm not, you know, meant to be a mom. And it was just, it's such a, hard thing to digest because as women you have I feel like this innate feeling in your soul of I want to be a mom and that's what I'm here to do and if I can't do this I'm failing yeah exactly I I felt like I had truly failed my baby and it's almost and this is such a dramatic thing to say but it's just kind of it's how I felt at the time I when you miscarry or you lose a child you feel like you did it and I didn't know how to cope with that. Did you express those feelings to your husband? I did. It's a very hard thing for a, a spouse or partner to witness because there's no way for them to under to truly understand. And I told him, I'm just going to word vomit, you know, for the next week. And I need you to to pull it out of me because I'm kind of in a dark place right now. And I expressed all these things and all they can do is pretty much sit there and listen. And tell me, where was your head in terms of getting pregnant again? Some women are like, okay, I had this. Now I want to have it again immediately. And some women need much longer. Where were you at? So I am not a person that likes to bask in pain. <laughs> I and, and I'm not healthy that way. I know it's not a good thing, but I, I really don't like to feel it. I like to act like it's not there and push past it and just move on. So for me, my my first reaction was, okay, let's get pregnant again. Let's just do it. Because I, I didn't want to sit and live in that moment for any longer. And my husband, on the other hand, went the opposite direction. He was like, this is a clear indication just with us needing to heal that we need time. And we need time to push past this and to to mourn and to heal and talk. And, and it really put a stress on our relationship that way because I was being impulsive and defensive and trying to like protect my heart. And he was actually being rational and wanting to like do it the right way. And we fought over that for a very long time before it was almost a year and a half later before we ever kind of got to the same page where we're like, okay, let's start talking about this. So tell me about when you started talking about it and when that next step in the journey started. So it was about a year, year and a half later where we had finally gotten our groove back and we were like, okay, we're both on the same page. I feel healthier and healed and like I can go through this again and I can take another loss if that happens. Wow, that's a huge thing to be able to acknowledge going into a second pregnancy. Yeah, and it's hard. And I, it's just, I feel like the reality of pregnancy, which was I, I needed to get to a place where I was strong enough to deal with it if it happened again. And that took a while. And it took a lot of self-realization there 
Um, but we had kind of gotten to that point and because we got pregnant on accident, we, we thought it would be an easy thing. And when we finally decided to start trying, it took us almost a year and that in itself is a whole thing. But when you're actually actively trying to get pregnant and month after month, you get the disappointing news of you're not. And we are very, very lucky to, to get pregnant in a year is still a massive blessing. It's a long time, though, to be waiting every month and to be disappointed by taking a test or getting your period. What were those 12 months like? Did you feel like you were just sort of living four weeks by four weeks, waiting and waiting? Yes. And I felt like we had gotten to a point where we were so ready that it just became um, not fun. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And it, 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 it just came to that time every month where I was like, okay, let's just try this again. And we would get in arguments because I would just say, you know, this just doesn't feel like how a baby should be conceived in this world, just out of just frustration and just... And scheduling. <laughs> yeah, it just it just didn't feel like the fairy tale movie that I had watched as a kid. And I feel like it was the first month where we were like, whatever. I don't, I'm done. I, I don't care. It was, it was that month that we got pregnant. It always seems to be the case like that. <laughs> yeah. Something in your body as yeah. soon as you relax about it. So tell me when you knew you were pregnant the next time. Um, so by then two of our best friends are like our, a couple of our best friends were actually trying to get pregnant at the same time. So we are all kind of in this together. And I remember going over to their house one night and we were going to do like a pizza night and watch a movie. And I remember talking to her and I was like, my, my period is late. But again, going 12 months of no, 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 no. I, in my head, it wasn't even an option. And she's like, well, have you taken a test? And I was like, well, I took one of those like really, the like really cheap, just like strip ones. And I was like, it didn't really show anything, but I kind of couldn't read it. Like I thought maybe something was there, but not, and it wasn't. And she was like, get in the bathroom right now. <laughs> and she had a pregnancy test and she made me take it. And in my head, I was like, there is no way. I had written it off completely. And I mean, within two seconds, that pregnant line came up and she's like, oh my gosh. Were you shocked? I was just, I think I was in shock. I, I didn't even know how to react. And again, that's a bittersweet moment because- something that I think the miscarriage took away from pregnancy for me was the joy of a pregnancy test. Yep. Because in my mind, I saw that I was pregnant, but I was like, oh, this doesn't really mean anything, you know? And I was trying to already like build up that, that wall in my heart to protect myself. And I was just kind of like, okay. And I just remember I walked straight out and I was like, babe, we're pregnant. <laughs> and what did he say? <laughs> He was like, what? And I mean, it was the most anticlimactic thing <laughs> in front of our friends. But again, I, I think the miscarriage took so much of that from us that I almost didn't want to hype it up. Of course. Yeah, I understand that not wanting to celebrate because, you know, the more you celebrate it, the more you feel like you can lose. Yeah. So when did you allow yourself to start to feel like this might be real? Did you not tell anyone for a little while? How, how did you act differently this time around? We, we really didn't change much 
we told a lot of our friends and our parents and stuff pretty early on. I'd say like 10, 12 weeks. Um, but I, I do feel like with every milestone that we crossed, I almost built a bigger wall. Don't get attached, all these things. We had some like red flags within our pregnancy and some health scares and like all of these things. And with every milestone, I was just like, oh, this, this isn't going to happen. And I remember, I think I was 20 some weeks along, 26 weeks along. And I remember driving to a gymnastics camp in Tennessee. It was like a two hour drive. And I bawled my eyes out the entire drive because it was like at that moment, I was just like, God, please save this baby. This is my baby and I need them to be here. And I, I think it, it honestly took that long, almost third trimester of just, I will do anything to see this baby come here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about those red flags and the health scares and how that made you feel. Yeah. Um, well, pregnancy is an absolutely terrifying thing that I've learned. Yep. Um, so many things can happen and so many things can go wrong. And, and nobody prepares you for any of it. You think you have sex, you get pregnant, you get a baby and that's it. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought. Um, but with all of these different like tests and stuff, I, I had this really weird thing, which it ended in a perfectly normal, perfectly healthy pregnancy. But I had a two vessel cord instead of a three vessel cord, which... I didn't know it was a thing. It basically um, can cut off oxygen to your baby or like not give your baby as enough oxygen, enough nutrients. And it can also not allow for like the toxins that are within your baby to get out. So it can cause um, your baby to not be able to grow and to have preterm labor and stillbirth, all of these different things. And they caught this pretty early on. And it really at the time wasn't a big deal because they were monitoring everything, but it felt like it was monumental because there were just scary things with it. I'd love to introduce you all to a fun pop culture and mom podcast called Real Moms of Bravo. Hosts are Abby and Vanessa. They're two good friends who bonded over Bravo TV. And then that bond strengthened when they became moms and the housewife franchises became an escape from the crazy world of diapers and bottles and lack of sleep. In their podcast, Real Moms of Bravo, they recap your favorite Bravo TV shows while blending in their own experience as moms and wives and friends. Be sure to subscribe to Real Moms of Bravo. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so let's um, get to 
the delivery. And I think you were induced. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what that was like going in for the induction. So we were two weeks late and decided, our OB had decided, let's just go in for the induction. Um, she was breech at the time. Um, just some weird things that they were like, let's just kind of start this going. So we go in for the induction. And again, having never done it before, I thought, oh, we'll have a baby in a few hours, which is a joke. Um, so we go in for the induction. We're like, oh, we're going to have a baby like right now. 24 hours of labor later, um, I had this whole plan going in that I was going to do it naturally, that I did not want an epidural. I didn't want pain medication, nothing. And so I made it 17 hours before it had gotten to a point where I wasn't able to to kind of like muscle through it anymore. And it was affecting her and it was affecting her heart rate and the Pitocin levels were getting too high. It was just a lot of different things. So I want to pause there and talk a little bit about, because again, you have a relationship with your body and your body's abilities that's a little bit different than other women. So you went into this not wanting a lot of intervention did you have feelings of of all bodies? Of course, my body should be able to do something like this. I mean, you must have an incredibly high threshold for pain and you can push through things. A hundred percent. And by the time I got to that 17th hour, in my mind, I was like, I need something. But the athlete in me, the perfectionist in me, the mom in me at the time that truly didn't understand the intervention science I was just like, I'm a failure if I ask for help, truly. And the nurses are so amazing that they really try not to push you one way or the other. They ask what your preferences are. And at one point she's like, honey, it's okay. And I was like, I think I'll, I think I'll get it. And I felt such, I just felt so weak at the time. And I was just like, how could you be asking for this? And I remember looking at my husband and be like, I failed. And I, 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 I'm just weak. I can't do it. And he just kind of laughed and he's like, what are you talking about? You're having a baby. You're doing amazing. I'm getting an epidural, but... Why does that bum you out? Because <laughs> I should be able to do it naturally. No. And it is, it's such a weird feeling though, because you, I went in thinking, oh, women go through this all the time. They can handle it. They do it, whatever. I'll have no problem. And so having to kind of go through that first hurdle of accepting that I needed help and I, I needed something um, was hard on me. It wasn't hard after I got the epidural, though. I was like, this is great. This is great. So you get the epidural. Um, you're still aiming for a vaginal delivery at this point. So how many more hours do you go? So we went eight more hours. Um, and... For me, I think the hard part about all of that was I had gone hour after hour being checked and going through every possible form of assistance you can possibly imagine, which are some like tortured devices. Yep. And with every hour and every time they checked, I would be dilating more, but she wasn't dropping at all. She was stuck in my pelvis and she was stuck within like my pelvic bones and she wasn't able to come down at all. So they kept checking, kept checking, kept checking. On the 24th or 25th hour, my doctor said, we'll give it one more hour. And if she doesn't progress at all, we should start talking about other things. And it was in within that last hour, her heart rate really started to be affected by all of the induction medication. And she wasn't dropping at all. And so my doctor was like, we really need to talk about a C-section. 
And by then, my plans had already kind of gone out the window. Of course. And to hear them talk about her and not me, I was like, whatever it takes for her, I don't care. That's such an interesting change in mentality to suddenly be thinking about her as a person who's going to be here soon. So then tell me about opting for the C-section. When they said that this was in her best interest and stuff and kind of laid it all out, I something just switched to me and I was like, great, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. And I wasn't scared. I mean, I was terrified. It's a major surgery. So I was just praying that she was fine and I was fine. But it was basically from the moment that my doctor said, let's talk about a C-section. I think it was 10 minutes later, she was here. And when did you find out you were having a girl? Not until she was born. Oh, were your husband (laughs) and you in agreement on not finding out? Absolutely not. (laughs) My husband is as laid back as it comes. And I've never seen him voice such a strong opinion about something ever in our relationship or marriage. But he said, I do not want to find out. And it was because one of his teammates didn't find out and said the greatest moment of his life was actually being able to tell his wife what the baby was and have that moment for him. That's understandable. So tell me about that moment when your husband sees that it's a girl. He tells you, how did you feel? Yeah, so you can kind of feel everything in a C-section and kind of not. So I knew when they pulled her out and you can't see anything because of the curtains that are up and stuff, but my husband's sitting there with me and I just see kind of concern on his face and I don't hear her crying. And I felt like it was the longest 10, 20 seconds of my life, but she had just been under stress for a long time. So she was completely purple when she came out and she didn't cry for a long time. And then I finally heard her crying and I have never been so overcome with emotion in my entire life. I, my, I looked at my husband and he said, baby, it's a girl. And I was like, what? And we just started bawling more than I've ever bawled in my entire life. I was just like, she's here. I'm here. She's good. It was, yeah, it was the greatest moment. It's a girl, baby. It's a girl. It's a girl. It's a girl. It was the most special moment for him and for me. So when did you hold her for the first time? About 20 seconds after that. They showed me her. They gave her a quick check and then laid her straight on me. So for the entire hour that I was post-op and they were kind of stitching me back up and doing everything, I got to hold her. And it was, the, it was just the greatest moment. <laughs> so tell me about those few weeks and months postpartum. Oh, my goodness. Um, Nobody prepares you for that either. Nope. (laughs) At all. Um, The first few weeks and months postpartum was a struggle. Um, It was the greatest few months. But as a new mom to your first baby, you're dealing with hormones and just the highs and lows of, of truly being on top of the world. And then not to be dramatic at all, but being depressed. It's such a hard time to go through. And I remember there were nights where I'd be trying to like soothe her or take care of her or feed her. And I'm 
leaking everywhere and I'm bleeding everywhere and I'm trying to nurse her and pump and she's screaming. And it's just, there's so many um, struggles and kind of wrestling matches you go through as a new mom trying to figure it out. And on top of that, trying to deal with your own body and take care of a baby. It was, it was a lot. It put a lot of tension on me and my daughter and it put a lot of tension on me and my husband. And it's just a crazy transition process trying to figure out how to do the whole thing. And I think there's a lot of pressure on moms and, you know, the culture is kind of, it's the most wonderful time of your life mm. and everything is blissful. And anytime you don't feel that way, it's like, well, I must be doing something wrong. So that added pressure only makes it harder. Well, and people put such a pressure on on moms to just know how to do it. And I think my biggest frustrations and my biggest um, like hurdles emotionally was trying to deal with why don't I know how to comfort my child? And why can't I nurse my child? I just felt like a bad mom so often. And my husband would be like, honey, you're doing a great job. You know, everybody goes through this which is very hard to believe at the time. I was like, but all the Instagram moms make it look so easy. <laughs> I found it incredibly shocking to recover from a C-section. Like I, I remember the first time I stood up afterwards, I actually felt like it wasn't my body. I remember looking in the mirror, like I couldn't get on and off the toilet. I couldn't get in and out of the shower. And I was not an Olympic gymnast. So like, how did it feel to have so little control over your own body. I remember friends of mine who had had C-sections saying it was it was easy and it was, I just I went in thinking, you know, I could handle it again. And I think I set my expectations way too high and tried to convince myself that it just was going to be a breeze going in. So I was very shocked and I don't want to say disappointed, but there was a major reality check going through all of it. But I do remember the first time they make you stand up and walk. I was like, I have not felt this type of pain ever in my life <laughs> and not being able to walk or sit down on the toilet or it, like just take care of yourself as a human was humbling. Um, going through it the first time was definitely a struggle just because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to take care of myself going home. And because of my background, I'm always thinking I can beat the clock and I can overcome it quicker. And so I had a lot of reality checks there as well. So how long um, after Drew did you think, okay, I think we want to have another baby? And again, were you and your husband in agreement on how big your family should be? After Drew, we knew we wanted to go again. Um, my doctor had said, especially after a C-section, I want you to wait at least a year before we have any conversation. I went back in for my year, you know, check up. And I was like, we're, we're ready if you give us the okay. And she said, yeah, hopefully I see you soon. And in my mind, I was kind of like, you probably won't see us for another year or so, just like with my daughter. And I'm not kidding. I was back in the office a month later and I was like, I do not know oh. how this is possible. So it, it happened a lot quicker than we thought. I actually, long story short there, I had missed my period that first month going off of birth control. And in my head, it wasn't even, again, an option that I was pregnant. I was just like, my hormones aren't regulated. Sure. And I went two months, basically, and missed my period again. And I was like, dang, this is just going to take a while. 
my hormones still aren't like regulating. Sean, I'm noticing a common thread here. You never believe that you're pregnant. You're like, it's a parasite. It's my hormones. Well, and what's funny is my husband and I got in a huge fight one day, huge fight. And it was after that fight, I remember having this thought. I was like, we just fought over nothing, nothing. And I started it. And so I like ran down to the bathroom. Same, same story. Took a pregnancy test really quick, set it on the counter. I was like, this is dumb that I'm even taking it. Went and argued with him some more. (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, this makes sense. I'm just emotional. And I was very blatantly pregnant. So what did you say to him? I just showed it to him. And he goes, I freaking knew it. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's like, the way you've been acting. And I was like, easy. Slash, that's exactly why you took the test. So your heads were in the same place. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that delivery. Obviously, a little bit different, maybe a little bit quicker. Um, A lot different, a lot quicker. Um, We still had some ups and downs with that one. It was definitely different having not gone through the 24 hours of labor, just walking into the operating room and getting on the table. Um, That was scarier this time just because you're more with it. It's not just a breath of fresh air. It's it's more concerning. Um, But he was doing great. I was doing great. The only thing that was a little hard is I have naturally very low blood pressure. So I was kind of going, I don't want to say in and out during the surgery, but my blood pressure was dropping so much that we had to like really pump myself full of drugs, which was causing me to be pretty loopy. But he got here beautifully and easy. He started basically screaming before he was even out of me. And how big did he end up being? He was nine pounds and 13 ounces. Sean, imagine if you had tried vaginally with that size. (laughs) I would have torn from here to Timbuktu. So were you so relieved when you heard his weight? So relieved. And I remember it was like the whole operating room. We all had bets on how big he was. And we all just started giggling because he was so big. Hey, bud. <laughs> Nine, 13. <laughs> you made it, bud. You made it. So tell me about introducing the siblings. Uh, so because of COVID protocol, our daughter actually wasn't allowed to come to the hospital, which was really hard. Um, but we went home 48 hours later. We actually got discharged early, which was awesome and got to introduce them. And it was, it went better than we could have imagined. She was in love with him and just wanted to hold him and kiss him and cuddle him. And she just thought he was hers, which is awesome. Drew, that's JJ. It's JJ. JJ. You get a baby kiss? That's so sweet. So I'm curious when you look back at that miscarriage. How do you think about that now with more distance and obviously like two wonderful, healthy babies? I think it makes me appreciate my babies even more, but I, I feel like that will always be a part of me and always be a part of my heart. I still know the exact date and see it on the calendar every year. And almost to a certain extent, mourn and celebrate that baby every year. I watched that video, you know, 
probably 10 times a year. And I know the soundtrack to it. It's just, it's something that I've healed from, but I also never want to forget because I think it's a very important part to everybody's journey. And I, I feel like a lot of people are very quick to say, oh, I've moved on. Whereas I don't think you ever need to. And are you glad that you shared so much with your followers and with the world? Absolutely. I feel like up until that moment, I was very filtered with what I shared. And I I tried to be one of those on social media that looked perfect when I struggled with a lot of different things. And that's exhausting. It's when we try to be perfect that we actually probably need the most help. I love that. That's really wonderful. Sean, this was so fantastic. I loved it. I love talking about my babies. If you want more Sean Johnson East in your life, you can find her on YouTube, Instagram, and on the podcast she hosts with her husband, Andrew, called Couple Things. Remember when Sean said that the first person she called when she found out she was pregnant was her nutritionist? Well, talking to her made me want to know more about how eating disorders can be triggered by pregnancy, childbirth, and even trying to conceive. Dr. Linda Shanti is a licensed clinical psychologist and the author of The Recovery Mama Guide to Your Eating Disorder Recovery. I call it a landmine for eating disorder triggers because everything perinatal that's pregnancy and postpartum is just all the triggers. So there's body image, there's identity transformation, there's mood disorder um, and hormone fluctuation challenges, there's lack of control. It's like this whole new land I'm entering and I have no idea if I can navigate there and who would I even be there. It's just so overwhelming. Then the eating disorder can come in and say like, oh, I I know how to handle this. Like, we need to make this about the number of calories you're eating every day. That is very controllable. So let's talk about some of the very specific triggers that might seem small to people who have not gone through something like this, but something as seemingly simple as going in for a regular doctor's appointment when you're prenatal and being weighed. A lot of my clients, when they go to the doctor, get blind weighed, or they just request not to be weighed. Even if you're in recovery long term, um, you're, you know, and you've you've let go of the scale and you don't believe in it anymore, you're going to go to your OBGYN all the time and get weighed and you're going to have to face that and you're going to have to face that and this huge loss of control and oh my God, I'm gaining weight and I gained more weight and I gained more weight. And so I, I will often have my clients have a discussion with their doctor, their OBGYN, like right from the get-go, even before they're pregnant if possible, but definitely once they're pregnant around um, them actually, if they can tolerate the distress of this, not seeing their weight. And I will talk to their OBGYN and say, can you just alert me or them if you have any health concerns that are directly related to weight gain or weight loss for them or their baby? And otherwise, we don't want to know numbers. When Sean Johnson found out she was pregnant for the first time, the first person she called was her nutritionist. I would imagine you recommend continuing to, or maybe going back to your nutritionist or therapist if this is something from in your past. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would work with a therapist that works with eating disorders because the other thing that can happen is if this has happened for some of my clients, like one of my clients had um, gestational diabetes and 
She already is hypervigilant around her food and her taking care of her baby. And then she sees this nutritionist as referred to her from her OBGYN. And the nutritionist is very medical model and just reinforces all the food obsession, just reinforces it. So let's talk for a moment about pregnancy loss or miscarriage among women who have had eating disorders. Um, you know, one of the first things doctors often say is, it's nothing you did, it's not your fault. And I have heard that for women who have gone through, whether it's, um, you know, sexual abuse or drug problems or eating disorders, they're deep down thinking, okay, but really it is my fault. We're not talking about, oh, I, I drank a lot of coffee. This is something much worse than that. So can you share a little bit about the guilt that um, is often tied to pregnancy loss among women who have gone through eating disorders? I would say guilt and also shame. There's this deep sense of there's something wrong with me. There's something irrevocably, you know, on a very, very deep core level wrong with me. And that's why this happened. It's easier in some ways to think that it's your fault than to experience the incredible loss of a baby. I want to hear what you have to think about social media and specifically Instagram in that postpartum time. Oh, Instagram's such a tough one. All social media has got a, such a tough one. I don't recommend any kind of fasts for my clients at all, except from social media. Oh, I love that. I know that can be hard. You know, if you're breastfeeding at 3 a.m., you just want to go on your Instagram. I would say, you know, just set some loving limits up for yourself. Um, there's There can be this false belief that you're supposed to get your body back. So that's really hard, and the isolation is really hard. And for those of us that are a bit perfectionistic and achievement-oriented, you know, um, tolerating the distress of the mess of new motherhood is super hard. That's it for this episode of Me Becoming Mom. Next week, we're bringing you another raw conversation from another celebrity mom who's known for her radical openness and honesty. Alyssa Milano talks about having her babies after abortions, pregnancy loss, and sexual abuse, and how her birth preferences, which was, in her words, vaginal birth or bust, didn't go quite according to plan. I felt that I needed to do it the way they were naturally telling me it was done. But then, of course, after... 18 hours of labor and three and a half hours of pushing, there was no way he was coming out vaginally. If you like our podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps people find the show. And we would also love if you told a friend about us. This podcast is produced by People in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Andy Kubis, Jason Mack, Brian Rivers, Aliza Sessler, and Suzanne Semeloff. Our executive producers are Lauren Mickler, David Flumenbaum, and me, Zoe Ruderman. Thank you so much for listening. 